Proverbs chapter 8. There we go. We are going to finish our time in Proverbs next week, and then we're going to transition into our next book of the Bible. I've enjoyed these last few weeks going through this first part of the book of Proverbs. And this morning, I want us to think about the appeal of wisdom. The appeal of wisdom. I heard a story about a couple in a church that had just called a new pastor. And so they decided to be uh, good church members and to be gracious to their new pastor. They invited him into their home for a Sunday lunch. And they had lunch with their pastor, a lovely time with him, and he left. And the wife was cleaning the dishes, putting the things away, and she noticed that one of her nice serving spoons had gone missing. She looked everywhere. She thought maybe she had put it in the wrong place, but she looked and she looked. And she could not understand what happened to that serving spoon. She looked at her husband and said, I I hate for my mind to wander to this place, but she said, do you think it's possible that the new preacher stole my new nice serving spoon? And the husband said, oh, honey, she said, he said, surely you wouldn't think that the preacher would steal your serving spoon. Well, that thought just stayed in her mind, and it sort of festered there, and it grew, and it grew, and she never said anything about it. And she went an entire year thinking about the possibility that her preacher stole her serving spoon. And so one Sunday, after church, she finally got up the courage, and she walked up to him after he had preached. She said, Preacher, I've got to ask you a question said, it's been bothering me for an entire year. She said, we invited you over to our house for that meal, and you left. And she said, I was putting the, the dishes and all the things away, and I've lost one of my nice serving spoons. And I just want to ask you, did you by chance pick up and take that serving spoon? And he said, well, he said, I want to tell you, I, I did pick up your serving spoon. But I didn't leave with it. I didn't take it home with me. And she said, well, if you picked it up, where did you put it? And he said, oh, you'll find it in your Bible. It's a funny story. But there's just a little bit of truth in that. Because every once in a while, we have to dust the cobwebs off of our Bible. Somewhere along the way, God's Word and the wisdom that comes from it grew less and less and less appealing. And it went from being a book that maybe you picked up every day to a book that maybe you picked up a couple of times a week. And then it became a book that you 
picked up as you walked out the door on Sunday morning, but then left on your dash in your car the rest of the week, and very soon you, you stopped bringing your Bible to church. You stopped studying your Bible during the week. Wisdom, God's Word, no longer appeals to you. So I want us to be reminded today that God's Word is appealing. That His wisdom is so much better than anything, any knowledge, any information we get from anywhere else because His Word is life-changing. Now, in Proverbs 5 and in Proverbs 7, we dealt with the issue of, of impurity and adultery and temptation to sin, and we, we see how sin and temptation sort of lures, and, uh, and, and we're easily sucked into it. And so here in chapter 8, we're, we're sort of given the opposite of that. We've seen a picture of what sin and adultery and immorality looks like. Now, now God is offering to us through the words of Solomon, here's the better option. Here's what ought to be appealing to you as opposed to the things of the world and to the lust of the flesh. This is what should be capturing your heart. So I want to show us, because this is a, a lengthy chapter, I want to, to show us several things that I think this chapter shows us about the appeal of wisdom. And we're going to go through these, I would say, pretty quickly. So I want you to hang on and take notes and let's hear what God would have to say to us. Number one, I want us to see that wisdom is appealing because it is available. Wisdom is appealing because it is available. Notice what the verse, verses 1 through 5 indicate to us. Doesn't wisdom call out? Doesn't understanding make her voice heard? At the heights, overlooking the road, at the crossroads, she takes her stand. Beside the gates leading into the city at the main entrance, she, that is wisdom, Lady Wisdom, cries out. People, I call out to you. My cry is to the children of Adam. Learn to be shrewd, you who are inexperienced. Develop common sense, you who are foolish. Notice that, that we, wisdom is not hiding out in some secret place. If you remember from chapter 7 a week ago that the, that the young man is walking down the street at night and the, the, the temptuous woman who comes to seduce him, she is lurking, the Bible says, at, at that corner at night when it is past dark. But here, wisdom is out in the open. There's no secret to wisdom. And wisdom is calling out to be heard. Doesn't understanding the question says, make her voice heard. Notice what it says at the heights. Overlooking the road. Everybody that, that will look can find wisdom. It says at the crossroads, she takes her stand. The picture here is of, of that important place in the city where everybody seems to come through. And it's at that place where wisdom seeks to be found. At that point of decision in our lives, wisdom is available to us. Beside the gates leading into the city at the main entrance, she cries out. And then notice what verse 4 says. People, 
I call out to you my cries to the children of Adam. Well, who are the children of Adam? That's every one of us. All of us are... to those who need it, those who need to learn shrewdness, those who are inexperienced, to the young, to the immature, wisdom is available, to those who are walking in the foolishness of the world. The Bible says that wisdom is available. It's not something that we cannot find. It's not something that uh, is hard to take hold of. It's there for those who seek it. If you seek the wisdom of God... You will find it. If you desire it, you will attain it. And so the wisdom of God is available. But secondly, I want us to see that the wisdom of God is noble. In verses 6 through 9, we see uh, several different things that, that remind us of the fact that, that the wisdom that comes from God is, is noble. It is right. It is good. And understand that in Proverbs chapter 8, as well as in other places in the book of Proverbs, that we see great allusion to the person of Jesus Christ. Now, we should not, when we read Proverbs 8, try to take every word and every phrase and equate Jesus in it. But we certainly see in this chapter a great picture of who Jesus is. In verse 6, he says, I speak of noble things, and what my lips say is right. We know certainly that that was true of the Lord Jesus Christ. That uh, everything that came out of His mouth was truth. Jesus never had to come back and say, you know what, I didn't mean to say that. Je Jesus never had to come back and say, you know what, I, I didn't speak correctly in that certain situation. Everything that Jesus said was true. So wisdom is right. It is true. It is noble. Verse 7, my mouth tells the truth and wickedness is detestable to my lips. I believe that just as wisdom is noble, when we receive the wisdom of God in our lives, when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, that one of the things that will be evident in our lives, one of the changes that should be very present in us, is that the things that we say are true. That just as Jesus did not speak falsehood, that those of us who are in Him and who are pursuing wisdom and finding wisdom will speak words of truth. And that we will find wickedness detestable to our lips. Verse 8 says, All the words from my mouth are righteous. None of them are deceptive or perverse. I think this draws back. It harkens back to foolishness. Uh, foolishness, as we've seen already in Proverbs, speaks perversion. It speaks deception. Back in chapter 5, the young man is warned against the, the, the seductive woman, the adulterous woman who comes and deceives with her words. So in contrast to the deception of foolishness and of wickedness, those who find 
wisdom in God and find it in the person of Jesus Christ will likewise detest wickedness and it will not come from their lips. Verse 9. All of them are clear to the perceptive and right to those who discover knowledge. So wisdom is alluring, wisdom is appealing because it is noble. In God's wisdom we find truth. In God's wisdom we discover knowledge. In God's wisdom we begin to turn away from wickedness and deception. In God's wisdom in Jesus we find truth and righteousness. But then I want us to notice number three that wisdom not only is it available and noble but it is also valuable. Verses 10 and 11. He says, Accept my instruction instead of silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. For wisdom is better than jewels and nothing desirable can equal it. We've already seen this language in Proverbs chapter 1. Lord, you are more beautiful than diamonds. Nothing that I desire compares with you. We've already seen this language in Proverbs that there's this great value that is placed on the wisdom of God that far exceeds anything else that we could have in our lives. I recently, in the last several days, have pulled out the box at my house that houses my baseball card collection, which I have come to be very disappointed in because I have come to find out that I'm not, in fact, going to be able to get my kids through college based off of all the money that I spent on baseball cards as a child. But that being the, the case, I remember probably 20, 30, well, 30 years ago now, uh, I had this one baseball card, this new uh, player was a rookie that year and uh, I didn't really know much about him I, I didn't know how good he was going to be but uh, my cousin had a Cal Ripken card that I really wanted and I loved Cal Ripken he was one of my favorites and so my cousin who was very crafty by the way uh, came to me and he said hey he said uh, I'd like to really have that that card over there I'll give you this Cal Ripken card for that card well little did I know I was trading away the rookie card of a now Hall of Famer, Ken Griffey Jr. And uh, I heard over the years that that card had maybe risen in value, and so I was just always upset that I had let that card get away. So we were on vacation, uh, this was a couple weeks ago, and we were driving down the strip in Pigeon Forge, and I looked over to my right, and I saw a, a baseball card store, and I told my wife, I said, I want to go there, I just want to pop my head in for a minute. And so I, I made my way in the store, and I'm looking around, and I saw the card. And I went up to the guy, and I'm sure now he was probably making fun of me when I left, but uh, I said, uh, hey, that, that card over there, he said, my cousin gypped me of that card 30 years ago. I said, I probably guess I, I'd never be able to afford it now. And I was kind of looking away, and then I looked back, and I said, just, just, to, to satisfy my interest, my curiosity, how much would that card cost me? 
he looked at me and he said, $10. (laughs) I now have in my possession the Ken Griffey Jr. rookie card. I got it back for $10. Now what's the point of that? That that card has no really monetary value now. Now maybe it will 50 years from now, but as of today, it doesn't really uh, mean that much to me, but financially, but to me as a kid, it, it, it brought a little bit of joy to my heart to get that card back in my hands. But as, as great as those things are in our lives, silver, gold, material things, possessions, here's what Proverbs 8 tells us. Wisdom is better than all of those things. Think about in your life the thing that maybe you cherish more than anything else. Solomon says that wisdom, the wisdom that comes from God, is infinitely better than gold and silver. So for wisdom to be appealing to us, we must see its value. That's why every time we open the pages of God's Word... We should understand that the things that we read have infinite eternal value to us that far outweigh anything else in our lives. Wisdom is valuable, but then I want us to see in the next verses that wisdom is vital. He says, I, wisdom, share a home with shrewdness and have knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate arrogant pride, evil conduct, perverse speech. And listen to verse 14. I think this is the key to this section. He says, I possess good advice and sound wisdom. I have understanding and strength. One of the things that, that, that we maybe miss about the idea of wisdom is that, that the wisdom of God goes beyond issues of morality. I know that I'm not supposed to take someone else's life. That's right there in God's Word, plain and clear. That, that's a black and white issue for me. I'm not to covet my neighbor's things. I'm not to commit adultery. I'm not to take the Lord's name in vain. Wisdom deals with those, those areas in our lives where it's not as... Black and white. For instance, am I supposed to take that new job? I like where I'm at. But there's an opportunity over here. Is is this the step that I need to take? And we need wisdom. We need discretion. Parents raising children. Things come up. How how do I deal with this issue in my kid's life? How do I help them navigate through these issues that they're facing as young people? I I need God's perspective. I need God's wisdom. And verse 14 says that he possesses good advice and sound wisdom. In Jesus Christ, in a relationship with him, we find the one who possesses those things. He, he has good advice. He has sound wisdom to give to us 
in our time of need. Wisdom is so vital because I need it so desperately in every area of my life. And here's the, here's the, the key. When I need wisdom, and I need God's wisdom, the closer I draw myself to the Lord Jesus Christ, who possesses that, that sound wisdom, the, the closer I draw myself to Him, the more I'm going to find His wisdom in my time of need. Here's the problem. We, we, when we need wisdom, we tend to run to a lot of other places, don't we? We maybe call a good friend. Nothing wrong with that, seeking the counsel of a good friend. Or we Google something on the internet to try to find what are other people doing in this particular situation. And we do all of these things instead of running to Jesus first. Uh, my, my friends can give good advice, but they do not possess wisdom like Jesus possesses it. My, my, my friends, my family, they, they can help me and give me insight in a certain situation, but they can't even touch the surface of what Jesus can give me. So wisdom is vital because in Jesus, in a relationship with Him, we find good advice and sound understanding. And notice what else the text says here. He has understanding and strength. Now if we understand these verses to point us to the Lord Jesus Christ... We certainly understand that, that Jesus both possesses, uh, possesses understanding, wisdom, but Jesus also gives us strength. I, I, I'm reminded of what the prophet Isaiah said of, of the Lord in prophesying of the Messiah in Isaiah chapter 11 verse 2 when he said that the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, a spirit of wisdom and understanding, a spirit of counsel and strength, a spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. So I need the wisdom that comes from God, but I also need the strength that Jesus himself possesses because I'm not going to be able to live out wisdom in my own life by my own strength. My strength fails me. My strength falls short. But I need the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ to not only help me find wisdom and understanding, but have the strength and the courage and the ability to actually do what wisdom is telling me to do. Because sometimes we, we understand the right thing to do. We get understanding in a certain situation, but then we step back and we say, well, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I have the strength to walk in that direction. Well, my friends, you don't. You don't have the strength to do it. You need His strength. It's why wisdom is so vital in your lives. It's why Jesus and having a growing, thriving relationship with Him is so critical because we do not have the strength in and of ourselves to walk in the wisdom of God. We need Jesus and His Spirit flowing and working inside of us. Wisdom is vital in, in decision-making. We see that here in the text that we just read, verses 12 through 16. But we also see that wisdom is vital in leadership. Because in verses 15 and 16, he says, It is by me that kings reign and rulers enact just law. By me princes lead as do nobles and all righteous judges. I just want to remind us of something this morning. 
in our charged up, electrified political climate in which we're living. It does not matter which side of the political persuasion you are on or whether or not your party's person is in the White House or not. We are all called to pray for godly wisdom for our leaders. It is biblical. You may disagree with them on everything, but you're still called as a believer to pray for those in leadership that they would have and possess and live out the wisdom of God because it is vital. But notice also it is profitable. Verses 17 through 21, I love those who love me and those who search for me find me. With me are riches and honor, lasting wealth and righteousness. My fruit is better than solid gold and my harvest than pure silver. I walk in the ways of righteousness along the paths of justice, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. Now, very easily, someone could look at these verses and say, well, the Bible's promising me that if I walk in wisdom, if I cherish it and I live it out, that God's going to bless me materially in this life. Well, if you come to that conclusion, you didn't really read the text. He says, with me are riches and honor. But then he, said, he says, lasting wealth and righteousness. He, he's talking beyond just the riches of this life. He says, my fruit is better than solid gold. Solid gold representing fortune in this life. He said, my fruit's better than that. I'm going to give you something that far outweighs the money of this world and the gold and the silver. He says, giving wealth as an inheritance to those who love me and filling their treasuries. God, God is giving us something in His wisdom that we may not even receive in this life, but one day we're going to receive an inheritance. Those of us who are in Christ who have put our faith and trust in Him. We have an inheritance waiting on us that is far greater than silver and gold. It's profitable to walk in wisdom. A couple of other things before we close that I want us to see. Wisdom is relational. Now we're not going to read all of the verses, but if you go to verses 22 down through verse 31, which many commentators argue is really the... the, the primary body of this particular chapter. This is a very clear allusion to the Lord Jesus Christ because the language, notice that the Lord acquired me at the beginning of His creation before His works. I was formed before ancient times from the beginning before the earth. I was born when there was no watery depths. Before the mountains, I was given birth. Before the land, the fields, the soil, I was there when He established the heavens. Before the skies were placed above, before the limit was set for the sea, I was there. It is a picture of Jesus. He's the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and He, was, and he is the end. He was there in the beginning. He is the first fruits of creation. And so in these verses we see a picture of the greatness of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We see a picture of His glory. But then in verse 31, I was rejoicing in His inhabited world, delighting in the children of Adam. 
Here, here is wisdom personified in the person of Jesus Christ who was before the very foundations of the earth, before the skies and the seas came into existence. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That, that's what we see here, but yet, in verse 31, He's delighting in the children of Adam. This great, holy, infinite God who expressed Himself in the form of His Son, Jesus Christ, the firstborn of all creation, delights in us. It's relational. Yes, yes, wisdom is from on high, but, but wisdom is a person. We've talked about that over the last several weeks. It is a person. It is Jesus Christ. And we can know Him. And we can walk with Him. And we can have communion with Him. And we can talk with Him. And He will delight in us. Which leads me to the last thing I want us to see. And that is that wisdom is optional. In verses 32 through 36, we, we have the conclusion of all of this. In verse 33, he says, Listen to instruction and be wise and don't ignore it. Anyone who listens to me is happy watching at my doors every day, waiting by the post of my doorway. For the one who finds me finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. That's the promise for those who choose to seek after wisdom. But verse 36 says, The one who misses me harms himself. And all who hate me love death. So the picture here that Solomon gives is that there are those who will find the appeal of wisdom, they will choose it, they will seek after it, and they will find wisdom. And according to verse 35, they will obtain favor from the Lord. But it's an option. You're not forced to seek after wisdom. You're not forced to seek after Jesus. The one who misses me, he says, harms himself, and then rather than loving life, loves death. It's an option. You can either choose to follow Jesus and seek after his wisdom, or you can choose to follow the ways of the world. It's one of the great things we understand theologically as Baptists and as people who understand the Scripture, that though God is sovereign, he's sovereign in salvation. He's sovereign in the world, yet our holy God has given us free will. It's hard to wrap our minds around it, but a sovereign God has given us the ability to choose for ourselves whether or not we will choose to seek wisdom and to follow Christ. It's a decision that, that, that many of you have made at one point in your life to follow Jesus, to trust Him. And it's a decision that some of you in this room have never made. But I will also submit to you it's a decision that you and I make every day. Every day when we get up, am I going to trust Him? Or am I going to trust the ways of the world? Am I going to trust the wisdom of God or the foolishness of man? Every day I make that choice. 
Every day when I pick up my Bible and I open it up and I read the pages of this book, I am choosing to trust in the wisdom of God. Would you today trust in His wisdom? Would you trust in Jesus and find life?